You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to visit with Mickey Spagnola from DallasCowboys.com and John Harris from the Texans broadcast team. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with Peter King from MMQB. Now, it's time for 2010 National Sports Writer of the Year, Peter King from MMQB on the NFL on TuneIn. Peter, happy holidays. Let's start in Arizona. What do you make of today's report that Bruce Arians will be stepping down as Cardinals head coach? Bruce has denied it. There was speculation this might occur a year ago. Yeah, I think it's probably likely that the Cardinals are going to have a new coach in 2018. Uh, but I, I don't, I, I think the one thing the Cardinals are committed to doing is discussing this after the season. So you're asking me to go to Vegas and put a dollar down on who I think the coach will be in 2018. I think it'll be somebody other than Arians. But I do also think this, that I talked to Bruce once during the season, and he said absolutely categorically he wants to coach more beyond this year. I do think this year has taken a lot out of a lot out of him, and I think they're going to make a change. But I don't think it's a hundred percent certain that they're going to make a change. Peter, when you talk about the MVP in the National Football League, many talk about. Tom Brady, but Ty Gurley has done, I think, a tremendous job for this team. He's a big part of their success. 118 yards rushing, 158 in the air. Does that put him in that conversation as at least being a co-MVP if there's an opportunity for it? Cordell, I think he's definitely going to be in the conversation. He's had an incredible year. Uh, he basically is now neck and neck and maybe has gone ahead of Le'Veon Bell as the best running back in the NFL. Um and and I think especially the last two weeks, six touchdowns in the last two weeks, and, and he's catapulted himself, I think, clearly into the discussion for the MVP. Now, again, you know, I'm one of the 50 voters for the MVP award, and the way I would look at it is, you know, just like you can't judge anything on a particular week or two or three particular weeks, it's got to be the body of work. The way I look at this is, and people hate to hear this, but I look at this as, you know, most of the time it it it, it should be and it is a quarterback award. Um, and you, and then you might say, well, uh, so, uh, you know, if, if, if this guy leads the NFL in rushing, and right now Kareem Hunt and Le'Veon Bell are both close to him within 15 yards, if he leads the NFL in rushing and he leads the NFL in scrimmage yards and all that, well, he should win. Well, you know, I also look at the fact that they've got two other incredible players on their team who've had great years in Jared Goff and uh, and Aaron Donald. And I think Tom Brady stands above all as the guy on his team after losing his favorite receiver, Julian Edelman, before this year. Uh, The defense has been a work in progress until probably about November 15th. Um, And and to me, just this is the way I look at it, that – but I think it's going to be hard to say that you're going to give it to Todd Gurley over Tom Brady based on 16 weeks. And as I wrote this morning, Todd Gurley had an eight-game stretch in the middle of the season where he 
scored four touchdowns in those eight weeks combined. And again, I'm not I'm not dissing Todd Gurley. I'm just saying that look, if you have to pick because the MVP award in the NFL is not like baseball. I wish it were. I really wish we had the ability to pick one through ten, but we don't. The Associated Press asked the voters to basically pick one player. And so the time that it's been tied over the years, like Peyton Manning and Steve McNair tied 14 years ago, the time it's been tied, you know, is uh, it's kind of a fluky thing. Um, and so, I, I, you know, I don't sense that Gurley's going to win it, but, I mean, he surely does deserve consideration for it. Taking you around the league with Peter King of the MMQB. Peter, we enjoyed your fine conversation with Deshaun Watson on Football Night in America on NBC on Saturday. And that same show, Mike Florio reported it's 50-50. Jack Del Rio could lose his job despite getting the contract extension a year ago. What are you hearing about Del Rio after the Raiders' latest loss last night in Philadelphia? I mean, I think that was a terrible, terrible loss for Del Rio. Terrible loss for their coaching staff. Uh, and again, look, I mean, uh, Derek Carr's star has dimmed significantly this year. But how about having the ball nine times or eight times in the last 20 minutes of the game and turning it over five times? I've never seen a team hand another team a victory the way the Oakland Raiders handed that game to the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think you have to look at the progression of this offense. It's been terrible. This year has been a huge step back for the Raiders. And I think Mark Davis has to look at this team. I don't know that he's going to look at Reggie McKenzie as well. But I think you've got to look at what, uh, you know, the job that the coaching staff has done as a whole. And that team was disorganized and played horrendously last night. The defense played pretty well, but the offense was, was abominable. And I, I, and again, I'm not trying to say, Oh, well this guy X or this guy or this coach or this player should walk the plank. You got to consider this in totality, but that was an outrageously poor performance that the entire world could see uh, last night by the Oakland Raiders. Peter, there's been a lot of back and forth on how should you handle this Jimmy Garoppolo situation for his pay is concerned. Has he done enough, especially after beating a Jacksonville Jaguars team that's that's arguably one of the best defenses in the National Football League? Should you pay him a long-term deal considering what he's done, especially if he can get a good win this weekend against the Rams? Well, you know, Cordell, you look at what is the alternative. Okay, the alternative is if they franchise him and pay him, I think it's $23 million. Do you think if Garoppolo plays pretty well in 2018, pretty well to very well, um, that the cost is going to go down for him? Uh, and, and clearly, I mean, you don't want to pay him $30 million a year right now, but I do think that uh, the Washington Redskins right now believe that, you know, if they had it to do over again, they would have been more aggressive trying to sign Kirk Cousins at the beginning. The fact that... Um, the cap is going up as much as $12 million this year. If I'm the 49ers, I'd probably go a little bit beyond in trying to get Garoppolo done this year instead of waiting. Peter, great information as always. Enjoy your week, and we look forward to chatting with you on Sunday to cap what's going to be a wild edition of NFL First and Goal with nine late games. Thank you, Peter. 
All the best, guys. Thank you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Let's say all you want to do is listen to a little sports talk on TuneIn, but all you hear is a lot of noise. With Bose QC35 wireless headphones, too, you just flip a switch, and suddenly sports talk is coming through loud and clear. Bose QC35s are engineered with world-class noise cancellation, hassle-free wireless technology, up to 20 hours of battery life. Lose the noise, lose the wires, lose yourself in sports talk. Visit Bose.com slash NoHuddle to experience Bose QC35 headphones, too, today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next on NFL No Huddle, we focus on Houston with Texans sideline analyst John Harris. John, as always, we appreciate you taking the time. Let's start under center. Tom Savage placed on IR. He took over, of course, after Deshaun Watson went down with a torn ACL. Matt Schaub is the last quarterback for the Texans to start every game in the season. That happened in 2012. Has this team just dealt with incredible bad fortune at the quarterback position? Unfortunately, we saw it again briefly yesterday with T.J. Yates entering the concussion protocol on that loss to Pittsburgh. Yeah, and and Taylor Heineke went out in the Right, yeah, that was surreal, too. Yeah, it was (laughs) – during the broadcast, when um, the Steelers had gotten the ball back after Heineke had gotten sacked, I happened to be standing on that side of the field, and I, and I looked and I could see on the sideline Bill O'Brien talking to the medical staff, trying to figure out what was going on. And as I turned around, I could see Taylor Heineke was going into the locker room. And I just whispered in Mark Vandermeer's ear, I said, you're not going to believe this. So, I mean, the, the, if there was any good news, you know, it's the fact that T.J. Yates did go into the protocol, but the thing was is he never got hit in the head. He never complained about a concussion at all. But this sort of goes to our discussion we've had the last few weeks that the spotter upstairs being a little bit more, um, I'm not sure the right word, more diligent, I guess, said they were going to evaluate T.J. for a concussion. And so they did. They went into half. They did it again at halftime. And he's like, I never got hit in the head. I never complained about a concussion. He said he got hit in the ribs and the shoulder area, and that's what was hurting, not his head, but because they were super sensitive to it. He had to sit out. Heineke comes in. Then he goes out, and I'm like, hey, you got to be kidding me. And it really, you know, and it's crazy to think about. I mean, Brian, you can go back even further. If you want to go back to 2010, 2010, the only season between 2010 and 2017 where one quarterback has started finished years that one you spoke of was Matt Schaub in 2012. So, Hopefully that changes in the future uh, with Deshaun Watson because if Deshaun Watson's playing 16 games a year, then this team is going to be in Super Bowl contention every single year that he's playing that many games in a season. It's that clear. And you can see that uh, when he was in the lineup, and I think that will continue going forward with Deshaun when he is back in the lineup in 2018. John, is it okay to say that you'll be excited when the season is over with? Because how many injuries has this team sustained when it came down to their marquee players? And especially the quarterback position. It's been going on like this with the quarterback position for how long now? Since Bill O'Brien's been the, the head coach of this football team, whether it's going back and forth with who do, you, who do you start as the quarterback, to now this year, even going back to last year, injuries. I mean, it, it, yep. it, has it gotten really bad there in Houston when it comes to just trying to find a way to be comfortable with everything that you have going on with the team? Cordell, it's been – it's one of those years where it's just – so frustrating. Nothing goes, nothing goes your way. And I think, you know, it started, I mean, heck, it started back at the Greenbrier, even before you guys came to visit, 
you know, Will Fuller breaks his collarbone, and you're like, okay, well, you know, he'll be back. It'll be okay. And then we get stuck with the, you know, we get hit with the hurricane and, and all the, the damage that brought to the area. And it was just, it just has kept raining all year long, and it just hasn't stopped. And the only time it did was when Deshaun took over, and you felt like, wow, look at what we have here. And then the day that we found out he tore his ACL, it was just, it was such a gut punch. We thought, well, maybe we, no, we couldn't withstand that. And it's just been one injury after the next. You're right. You know, Cordell, I don't know. You know, it's interesting because people have asked me that question. And I think I'll be, uh, I'll be ready for the season to be over to just have 2017 behind. I'll be excited to talk about 2018 and what 2018 can bring. But to be without football, look, you know, bad and crappy football is better than no football. So from that standpoint, I'll, I'll take football every day of the week. It's just been so frustrating to be on national television and look out and go, that's not our team. That's not our team. I mean, we, I think we've set a record for the number of players that have played in the year was 77. 77 different players have played this year for the Texans. Uh, I mean, that's, that's insane. I mean, I are, it's just, you know, so I'll be excited for January 1 to come around and we can start talking about 2018 and what this team can be going into the future. Houston wraps up their season Sunday on the road in Indy, chatting with a good friend of the NFL on TuneIn. It's John Harris, sideline analyst, Texans Radio Network, Texans Team Channel on TuneIn. John, we're about to go around the league with Peter King of the MMQB, going to talk about coaching news across the league. In your view, what's the likelihood Bill O'Brien is coming back as the head coach of the Texans? Boy, I just, Brian, I just don't see, even as, you know, as bad a year as it's been, you know, to Cordell's point about the injuries uh, and, and one year left on his contract, I, I'm not going to be surprised either way. My dad was a coach. I was a coach. I, I know the coaching game. I've, I've never, I'm never surprised when a coach is let go or a coach is hired. I'm just not surprised at all. And so I wouldn't be surprised at anything that happens here, to be honest. But I do hope that ownership steps back and looks at it and says, look, We've got the pieces when everybody's healthy. We've got to add to the offensive line. We've got to make sure the secondary is better going forward. But we've got some really good pieces in place, especially at the key position where we haven't had that piece, that quarterback. Let's roll with what we've got with everybody healthy. One more year with Bill O'Brien in his final year of his contract and then see where at that point it puts us. And then it's been 2018. When you have everybody healthy, for the most part, you're not going to go a full year with nobody on IR, but you can have a Jacksonville Jaguars-like year where the Jags have had nearly everybody on defense at least stay healthy. If you have that kind of year and you still don't get where you want to go, then at that point I think it might be time to just start over. Um, And maybe not start over, but just reignite with a different voice. But I think going into 2018, I think it it would make some sense to go to O'Brien's final year. He already started something good with Deshaun. Deshaun's giving him a thumbs up. I want to be with OB. There are other players, Clowney, Hopkins, that have supported OB through this, at least publicly and privately as well. So I think that's the way that it makes sense to go. But again, it's the world of coaching in the NFL. You you never know. These things can turn on a dime. It can change over a weekend. Um, I wouldn't be surprised by anything at this point. I hope that he stays because I think they have something special going to go forward. Uh, going forward, but it's so tough to see that through a four and eleven or five and eleven type season. Uh, you just got to try and withstand it, and then move on to January first, and you're ready for 2018. 
Well, the crazy thing about it is the things that you think makes the most sense in the world to do, you end up doing something totally opposite. But the real light that I think you guys have there with on this offense, especially just the team in general, is DeAndre Hopkins. Tell me about that touchdown we end up seeing from him where he tries to catch it with the right hand by turning it backwards, and then he ends up catching with his left and does the tippy-toe uh, tap down in the end zone to get the touchdown. That's just who he is, and, and how much does he mean to this offense and this team when it comes to morale? I mean, Cordell, he's the reason that there were Texans fans in the stands last night just to see what he was going to do. And the Texans fans were at least rewarded with that. I, I mean, Cordell, I've seen every, every practice, every training camp practice, every game. I've seen every catch that guy makes. And I watched that one, and I was actually amazed because I've seen him do some things in practice. I'm like, I just start laughing because it's just ridiculous. And then I see him do that, and I thought at first he was going to snag it with the right hand, you know, backwards, but then he tipped it to himself. And then when he turns around and he grabs it one hand, like, okay, is he going to get the feet down? Then you realize it's Hopkins. And the one thing about DeAndre, and I've, I've seen it like yards away from me, I've seen that guy know exactly where his body is to be able to get that second foot in bounds. Um, never forget in Cincinnati in 2015 on Monday Night Football, he got locked up. His feet got locked up with Pac-Man Jones, and he knew if he landed the way he was, he wasn't going to get two feet in bounds. And somehow he was able to kick back with his right foot and get a toe in bounds for that catch. And he did the same last night. He knew he was getting close, and he just had to kind of hammer tap that toe down to get it down. And it was funny, I was just watching a little while ago and I was listening to Tariko and Kurt Warner talk about it. And they said, he got his feet. I mean, they were amazed, you know. But when I saw the replay, I said, yeah, that's, that's what he does. And hopefully, going forward. I mean, look, the guy had thir- he's got 13 t- catches this year for a touchdown, 13 touchdowns this year. And that was six and a half games with Watson and then eight and a half games with other quarterbacks. And he's had 13 touchdown catches. What could he do a full season with Deshaun Watson going forward. that That's what I want to see, uh, what happens when that goes down for 16 games next year. John, we've really enjoyed our weekly conversations. Thanks so much for being a contributor throughout this season. Enjoy the regular season finale. Look forward to chatting with you again when we hit the offseason. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. It is a touchdown. It is a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern only on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's spotlight America's team with Mickey Spagnola from DallasCowboys.com. Mickey, as you know, Jerry Jones has repeatedly, in the wake of the loss to Seattle, said Jason Garrett is not going anywhere. He's got beyond a vote of confidence from the GM and the owner. Do you think, though, we'll see some changes on the coaching staff since Dallas will not be going to the playoffs? Well, I mean, there's normally, uh, I think, some changes. Uh, I I think they've got about four or five coaches whose contracts have uh, expired at the end of the year. So there certainly could be changes there. If you're suggesting that 
they fire a coordinator here or a coordinator there. Uh, I think that remains uh, to be seen. Uh, I know that's kind of been the narrative after the game because they didn't run the ball on the goal line uh, against Seattle there when they had first and goal at the three. Uh, but, um, you know, they, they've, they've been pretty good about keeping continuity, and I know it didn't work this year. Uh, so I think we'll have to see, but I don't have a good feel for uh, what might or might not happen going forward. Well, Mickey, the eye test somewhat tells it all. And, and the short passing being a former quarterback and not opening up a little bit more sometimes and not having a number one receiver, in my mind, truly, truly makes it really tough when it comes down to creating some separation. But speaking of separation, uh, you had Earl Thomas, safety for the Seattle Seahawks, walking with Coach Jason uh, Garrett into the locker room. Give me that conversation and what you think's going to transpire from it, if anything. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen from – uh, Seattle's end of that deal. I think he still has one year left on his contract. Uh, I think he was thinking that uh, because of maybe the money he makes after that year's up, uh, he may be looking for a job and uh, certainly wouldn't mind uh, coming back to Texas. Uh, as from a talent standpoint, I said, you know what, if he walked into the locker room with me, I'd have locked the door and said, you don't get to leave. You're staying here. Uh, <laughs> I think he's that good, and he was awfully good uh, in the ball game, but I don't know if anything comes of that. Uh, there's a lot of emotions that take place after a game, good, bad, otherwise, uh, and that was one of the stranger ones I think I've seen in my days covering the NFL. Talking Cowboys with Mickey Spagnola, DallasCowboys.com, Cowboys team channel here on TuneIn. Mickey, Jason Witten says he's ready to play another season. We know he's going to the Hall of Fame. Does that decision surprise you at all? Uh, not really. Uh, I, I know Jason. And, and again, I think we all have to be careful of things that are said very emotionally uh, after a loss like that, that basically, even though there's one game uh, remaining, ends your season. Uh, that's why I think, uh, you know, people in management in, in, in these NFL teams, uh, when the season ends the way it, it does or did, uh, you try to not make emotional decisions. Does he want to play? Yeah, he absolutely does. Uh, you could see it in his eyes. Um, now, when you step away, do you reassess things and go, well, you know what? Uh, and, and then you never know what other opportunities uh, show up. I mean, you know, we could have seen at the end of the season last year, Tony Romo certainly wanted to play, uh, and then you saw what happened. So, uh, yeah, I believe in deep down in Jason's heart he wants to play another season. He still doesn't want to give up on the dream of uh, helping this team get to a Super Bowl. Uh, but let's see what happens going forward. When you think about this offensive line, the continuity has been tremendous. Very few injuries, maybe a few nicks, bruises here and there, uh, but nothing that it would hold a guy out for a tremendous amount of time. Uh, Tyron Smith, give me your take on how they're going to handle him with his knee injury in the last game of the season. Yeah, I don't think he plays, obviously. Uh, and I think you saw the effects of when he plays and when he doesn't play, right? Uh, that, that was, I mean, basically he played one series. He played three three plays so basically he missed the entire game so the three games he he's missed they lost all three of them and they've really struggled uh with backups at, at left tackle and, and and there was far too many plays uh in that game on sunday uh, that were ruined because of the lack of 
uh, protection uh, on the left side of the Cowboys' offensive line. You know, and it's you sit there and go, well, you know, they still got three Pro Bowl offensive linemen out there. That shouldn't make a difference. Well, if you go back and look at the uh, at the coaches' film, it made a lot of difference. And they tried to give Byron Bell some help. Didn't do it on every play. Maybe should have. Uh, but he struggled over there, and consequently, when your left tackle struggles, your quarterback's going to probably struggle too. So uh, the Cowboys have to do something uh, over there to make sure that the backup uh, on uh, the backup swing tackle uh, can play better than the two guys they tried to get through this season uh, with did uh, in the times they had to go in for Tyron Smith. Mickey, last one for me. Cordell alluded to Des Bryant, who did not put up colossal numbers this season. Where do you think Des is at this stage of his career? You know, it's this has been the strangest thing because when we were in training camp and watching him and just seeing how hard he was working and how well he was playing, it was like, boy, this guy's ready for uh, a breakout season. And, and then it never happened. You know, I don't know if he if he ever had something wrong that you know no one knew about or he didn't say, uh, but that certainly wasn't uh, a typical uh, Des Bryant season. Now he's got a couple of years left on his contract, uh, and, and they're at a pretty high price, uh, double digits, like twelve million base salaries. Uh, but again, you know, when you pay a guy the signing bonus that the Cowboys paid him. Now, then you got to balance because if you say, okay, that's it, we, we can't go forward with him, well, there's $8 million that would roll into your salary cap. So you kind of have to balance uh, the base salary versus what's going to roll in as, 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 at, at dead money. Um, I just don't know that he's done, uh, but he certainly, you know, one of the things that I, I think hurt him uh, in Sunday's game, it just seemed like he got so frustrated that he lost concentration out there. Uh, and he was trying. Sometimes you try too hard, and, and, and it's to your detriment. Uh, and he just wasn't letting the game flow to him. So uh, that's another one that they're going to have to look at. You know, when you have a disappointing season like this, when you think you're a playoff contender uh, and you don't even make the playoffs, you know, if you don't win your last game, you don't even have a winning record. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that you have to sit back after a couple of weeks and and try to figure out where you're going with this. You know, and they have to make a decision. You know, do they think uh, his he's on the downside of his career, or was it one of those se- one of those uh, seasons that uh, you might have that things just didn't flow well uh, with this offense for most of the season? Mickey, we've really enjoyed our weekly conversations with you. Thanks so much for being a contributor to the program, and we'll look forward to chatting with you again when we get to the offseason. Okay, sounds good, guys. Thanks. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Let's say all you want to do is listen to a little sports talk on TuneIn, but all you hear is a lot of noise. With Bose QC35 wireless headphones, too, you just flip a switch and suddenly sports talk is coming through loud and clear. Bose QC35s are engineered with world-class noise cancellation, hassle-free wireless technology, up to 20 hours of battery life. Lose the noise, lose the wires, lose yourself in sports talk. Visit Bose.com slash NoHuddle to experience Bose QC35 headphones, too, today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. 
As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, Cordell and I explore playoff scenarios in the final week of the regular season. Cordell, let's start in the AFC, a little bit more straightforward when it comes to the wild cards. I'll give you scenarios and you tell me, do you think it's likely to happen? And then we'll try to figure out who's going to the playoffs. Let's start with the Ravens, who had some wobbly moments over the weekend, but were able to defeat the Colts. That means with Baltimore hosting Cincinnati on Sunday, if the Ravens win, they're going to be a wild card. What's the probability in your view of that happening? I would say almost a certainty the Ravens handle their business. Oh, big time. I mean, I'm not even thinking twice about that. I think this team is is playing off of sure emotions of knowing their opportunity to get in the postseason. And as T. Sizzle says, get an opportunity to see Joe Cool in the postseason because no one wants to see Joe Cool gets his thing done in the postseason, but I agree with you. And in fairness, because Flacco, as we often point out, has been nothing but precisely a 500 starting quarterback since he bet on himself 2012, culminating with the Super Bowl victory in New Orleans over the Niners 2013. He's been precisely a 500 starting quarterback. Look at Flacco's numbers in December. Getting better. They have found the running back in Alex Collins. The defense is creating more turnovers. They've been opportunistic. I think the Ravens could make an impact when we get to the postseason. We have another win-and-you're-in scenario, AFC wildcard. Your Tennessee Titans have imploded. Three consecutive losses. Marcus Mariota looks like a shadow of himself as he's been dealing with injuries. This team has been outscored this year. They have a negative point differential, but at 8-7, and seven, taking on Jacksonville, If the Titans win at home, they're going to the playoffs. Cordell Jacksonville effectively has nothing to play for. They're locked into the three seed, but feels like to me, they got to get some productive downs out of Blake Bortles, who was shaky on the road in Santa Clara, California. Three interceptions through a pick six. That defense was pushed around by the Niners. So what do you think Jacksonville's going to do? How do you think they approach this game? And let's pick it on a Tuesday. You think your Titans are going to redeem themselves, win the game, and go to the playoffs? Well, you remember DeMarco Murray actually came out of that game with an injury to his, I think his LCL is what it was. Uh, and so, you know, it strained. Um, and then trying to figure out, you know, will he be able to play in that next game? The LCL is, is you got the MCL, the ACL, inside and outside. The LCL is a lateral cruciate ligament, which is the one that goes right down the middle. That connects the fibula and the top bone together and the, and, and also the kneecap, all that great stuff. I know I'm not a doctor, but I had it happen to me once. I, I kind of have an idea. Um, I think the backfield will be taken care of by, by Derrick Henry uh, more than anything. Uh, they're going to have to do a phenomenal take job on a DeMarco Murray for him to be able to play in that game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I favor Jacksonville in this one. Uh, they have everything to play for. Uh you know, they've won the division, and I think they want to make sure it's understood why they've won the division. Um, but I think that's a healthier football team. I think that's more of a game-ready football team. Even though there's injuries at the receiver position on the Jacksonville Jaguars side of the football field, you still have a running game, I think, that can offset some of those deficiencies because of those injuries that we just talked about. We just talked about. But, I, you know, as much as I went with the Tennessee Titans early in the year and I, I rode them all the way as far as I could – but once I did the eye test and, and, and just looking at what the Jacksonville Jaguars was doing, I mean, it, I don't think no one with 15-20 eye vision can come up with a different way of explaining why uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars wouldn't be 
the best team in that division because arguably they are times two. Um, regardless of how bad Blake Bortles may have thrown interceptions against 49, it doesn't matter. That team overall, they just have one of those hiccups to where I think they regain that momentum playing against this Titans team that I think is just, they're just hurt. Unless they uh, rest their starters because Jacksonville has nothing on the line. Chad Henning is good. Remember, he came in for Blake Bortles, by the way. <laughs> How'd that so work out in the preseason? Yeah, but he came in for Blake Bortles. I don't know what you're talking about. There was a reason why he came in, but there was also a reason why he went back to the bench. But I, I, again, you know, I, I think while the other players do get some reps, I don't think this is a football team in my mind that's ready to sit down a lot of their starters this soon. I'm with you. I think they have to bounce back from a lousy game. Yeah, they got to play. Give me a half. Yep, they got to shake it off and get ready for the playoffs. You haven't haven't earned the right to not play come first snap unless you're Calais Campbell. And I don't think he would actually sit if the rest of his guys are starting to. So I think they all go out as a group. They sharpen up their their deficiencies and mostly their attitudes and and, and, and going out there and, and you know, and just always complaining and moping and getting penalties, 15-yard penalties, and close to getting ejected out of the football game because of bad behavior. I think they need to go back out, sharpen up their, their skill set just a little bit, work on some moves, you know, think about some things they want to accomplish because we know they're already in and won a division. But get a good first half in and then allow Chad Henney, Henney and company to come off the bench and hopefully come out and uh, feeling for these guys to get themselves prepared for the postseason. Titans could still back in if Buffalo and the L.A. Chargers lose. So let's talk about those possibilities. And I'm going to give you credit as always. You called this a month ago after the Nathan Peterman failed experiment on the road in Carson, California. Fifth round pick out of Pitt. The rookie, five interceptions, first half was benched. That could cost Buffalo a trip to the postseason, but they still have a chance to get to the playoffs for the first time since 1999. First step is a victory on the road in Miami. I think that's likely to happen. Miami mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. But here's where it gets tricky. If Tennessee loses, and we're talking about the Bills and the Chargers competing for the second and final wild card in the AFC. If the Chargers beat the Raiders because of that Nathan Peterman game, Cordell, it's the Chargers, not the Bills, going to the playoffs. Chargers hosting the Raiders, who they beat earlier this year on the road in Oakland. And that would drive me nuts. And I, and I, and I think um, when, you, when you look at it, Overall, McDermott, I think he needs to be evaluated. And I think this question needs to be driven home and pounding it in and asking truly, why did you take out Tyrod Taylor, who gave you 10 touchdowns, only three interceptions? He comes in the game and instantly he gives you two touchdowns. And then Nathan Peterman is thrust into this scenario and situation that he deserved to be thrust into for no reason at all under the sun. Some try to come up with reasons why, which to me didn't make any sense. He missed throws down the field. Tyrod Taylor did. Okay. How many accurate throws to the other team did Nathan Peterman end up completing in his first eight passes thrown? Four? Unbelievable. And to me, as I said, as I was watching this game and I came on your your show with Nick Ferguson on first and goal, the first thing I said and then came to our show on that, that Monday that game will be the reason and don't allow it to be the reason why this team doesn't make it into the postseason because they were playing that good of football. And I think Coach McDermott sucked all the life out of it because the coach wanted to be the reason why this team take it to the next level. Sometimes you sit your butt down and get out of the way. 
And I thought Coach McDermott proved why he was a rookie head coach by making that dumb, that dumb decision. And it's going to cost this organization, this team, in my opinion, an opportunity to get in. They shouldn't be in this position. They should be right now in the driver's seat to where all they do is win, 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 no matter what, against the Miami Dolphins this weekend, and they're in. They lose, it still should be a question mark. But now they have to win with some help to get in. Unbelievable, as Popeyes Popeyes would say. Too bad we don't have my red beans in my... My biscuits sit here in front of me. I think that's I a different Popeye. It it's the holiday season, by the <laughs> you, way. I would eat it right you now. You were hanging out with the chicken Popeye. Come on, not, man. Not the Popeye who was canoodling Sheesh. with olive oil. Come on, man. Come on, Coach McDermott. God, dog it. You missed it up. You messed it up bad. That, that's just me. You, 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 you came out with this so-called genius conversation of what you came up with, talking to the coaches and what your gut said you should do. Well, let me tell you about your gut. How'd that work out? And here it is. You know, it's Tyrod Taylor that's having to, in my mind, save the day because of a bad decision that was made by the head coach. Because of what he thought, his gut feeling said. Come on, man. The game of football is played on the field, not in the classrooms, not in practice. If you're the starter, you figure out how to make it work. Ask Tim Tebow. Prime example. One of the worst practice players in the game, in the history of the game, based on what some reports were coming out of Denver at the time. But come game day, the last five minutes of the game, the best that ever did it. Two and a half minutes, best that ever did it. And so now all of a sudden we get to the point where we become extreme geniuses and we just want to make bonehead decisions for the sake of just doing it because of what the gut said. And this kid, he had ended up getting his psyche damaged, Nathan Peterman, because he wasn't ready to play. And of course he was excited for his chance. I don't blame him at all. He wasn't ready. Fifth round draft joint. Kid wasn't ready. Because of that, yeah. There's no more Tom Brady. Tom Brady at that time is elapsed. It's gone. He, he, when he's done, it's going to be a long, long time before we get a kid like that. But he wasn't thrusting as his rookie, as a rookie, to get that done with Drew Bledsoe. But it's a great story. Six round pick. Yeah, I get it. Tyrod Taylor didn't do anything in my mind from what we saw and what the reports were. Because he said nothing but great things about the young man. Didn't say anything bad. It just was a gut feeling that he had. That he felt he needed to make that move. And that move, to me, will cost them. And if they get in, he's lucky. But if he doesn't, which it seems a 50-50 chance, maybe lean on the side of not because he needs some help, but they have to take care of their business, let's go 51-49 of a chance of getting in. It's tough. It's an uphill battle still. And this team, we can foresee them beating um, your favorite guy from Vanderbilt. My guy, smoking Jay Cutler. And probably, can we say with a degree of assurance, the final game of Jay Cutler's career, he's not coming back to Miami. And he's not going back to Fox neither, by the way. Charles Davis had that spot sold. We don't know what Eric Shanks and his executives want to do with Jay Cutler. He's not going there. He shouldn't. I wouldn't let him go. You took $10 International Football League. Charles Davis is doing good. What do you do? Bring him back with and be the third guy? He won't He won't survive. Well, well, maybe not necessarily on the number two team this time, but they have comprehensive number 14? coverage. There's a number the four NFL. team out there? Oh, yeah, they got a whole ladder. Think about all the guys calling games on Sunday with nine late games coming up and no Sunday Night Football. Come on, man. Okay, let's make Go the ahead. move to the NFC. A little bit more straightforward, and let's just talk about what's most likely. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber. Tuesday edition, NFL No Huddle. It's the NFL on TuneIn. I'm going to credit you 
for telling me that the Saints were going to handle their business at home against the Falcons. They got a lot of help from Matt Ryan, who has been generous with the football. So let's start with New Orleans. Their victory on Sunday clinched a trip to the postseason. They win the division if they can win on the road in Tampa Bay or if Carolina loses on the road in Atlanta. Let's just talk about what's most probable. Saints are going to win this game, right? They're not going to lose on the road in Tampa Bay. No, I don't, I don't see that happening. I mean, they, they, did give, they did give the Carolina Panthers a, a huge scare uh, when playing against them this past weekend, uh, forced them to come down to a, 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 a drop snap by Cam Newton at home, picking it back up, taking his large body and getting it between uh, the offensive linemen and defense and squeezing into the end zone to barely win that football game. But a win is a win. Um, I think a mess that needs to be cleaned up in order for this team to move forward. But you know what? Um, I think they they, they play against a a gimpy team psychologically in um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers having to restrain um, their quarterback in Jameis Winston uh, because of a call that was made by the referees uh, that caused him to go ballistics. And then you had also his head coach actually trying to hold him back because he looked as if he was about to uh, just go after somebody. I don't know who it was. I don't want to jump out there and say it was one particular person, but he was mad at something. Uh, but I think the New Orleans Saints take care of their business because they know while they're in to the playoffs, they still have to win a division. To yeah. get this win, they, they get it. Um, and of course, if they lose, they would need Carolina to lose as well in order to still get it. Uh, but I think the Saints take care of their business and, and they do it on their own. And again, a team that has all the pieces. Oh, sure. With that what running was up with Alvin Kamara wearing the red shoes? Well, there was, that was a, a tribute to the Falcons? You know, I thought that was pretty interesting. I thought it was that, more of a holiday thing as well, right? That was a holiday. It's a holiday jolly, ho, ho, ho. so he brought out the red, huh? Uh-huh, but they can run with Kamara and Ingram. We know how improved the defense is with Marshawn Latimer, who's going to be the defensive rookie of the year. I don't think teams want to see the Saints in the postseason defeat Tampa Bay. They win the division. That means they're hosting a playoff game. Okay, let's talk about Atlanta. Go ahead. Different scenarios that would get— Let's messing with my paper. I'm going through all my notes. Okay, you're running through it. Different scenarios that would get the Falcons into the playoffs. Let's start with the most straightforward road to the postseason. Beat Carolina, and Atlanta's the wild card. Atlanta's hosting that game. We know Cam Newton gets revved up to play the Falcons, especially Atlanta, because he is the Atlanta native. What probability would you give the Falcons to win that game at home over Carolina? I just honestly think... You know, at home, I think they play well at times, at times. They just play well at times, period. It doesn't matter if they're on the road or at home. Uh, but I think Carolina is, is trying to you know, sweep this team. Um, they don't want to give them any bragging rights at all because Cam Newton, of course, is from the hometown here uh, in Atlanta, here in the home state of Georgia. And um, this is going to be one of those games for me. I have to watch Matt Ryan because everything is in the hand of Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has struggled tremendously over the past few weeks. Uh, he hasn't done anything well in my book at all uh, for me to or anyone to give him that vote of respect when it comes down to him being that, that quarterback last year uh, that was the MVP of the National Football League. I just think he's right now, he's hanging on by the skin of his chinny-chin-chin when it comes to how he's playing. I mean, he went through 288 yards. He had an interception. He took a few sacks, had f- sacked five times. Um, I thought the running game was horrible. 
Uh, Freeman only getting 36 yards. I just think we saw a defense in uh, this New Orleans Saints football team uh, that really played really, really good. And Cameron Jordan, uh, who ended up walking away from this game uh, with a couple of sacks, uh, being able to have a fumble recovery uh, and also some sacks in that game. I thought he played very, really well. Uh, I thought Lattimore, uh, you had the butt fumble and the butt interception uh, in that game. Uh, we know that comes from uh, your, your best guy and and Mark Sanchez with the butt fumble playing with the Jets. <laughs> and all of a sudden in this last game with Lattimore, uh, and that's Marshawn Lattimore, we saw where there was a play made where the ball just laid on his legs uh, and then he ended up turning over and catching the interception because the ball never touched the ground, which I thought was it was that was, you know, like what more can you see in sports where you're sitting there like in awe saying like, wow, how did that play happen? And so I, I just think that was the, the good fortune that team had. But, you know, they, they showed all the deficiencies in my mind to this team in New Orleans. I mean, to me in Atlanta. And while I think they try to figure out how to win this game, uh, they know the air went out the sail when not winning that game against New Orleans, knowing if they were to get this win this weekend, meaning running all three games, they probably can win the division and get into the postseason. So it's, it's, it's almost as if, you know, we're, we're hoping to play well when we play against Carolina, where Carolina is expecting to play well. I think Carolina get the better end of that stick and win by a, a close margin. Um, and, and there's going to be a tough one. I guarantee it's going to be a tough one. Uh, Deion Jones, uh, he's, he's playing some of the best football uh, for this football team, uh, being able to get another interception uh, and almost taking it back to the house against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, LSU kid out of New Orleans, a hometown boy, uh, went back to the crib along with doing it here in Atlanta um, against the Saints, being able to get an interception. But I, I just think Atlanta right now in my mind, I think he's the only real hope on a defense side of football from a consistent standpoint, a consistency standpoint. I just think they, they, they're they too much in the hole. And, and I just don't – I think once they see a mistake playing against Carolina, I think that's when they end up falling. They start going inward just a little bit to where – that here we go again feeling will show up. And I think the fan base will let it be known that they're unhappy with it. They may not boo, but they'll be walking out pretty darn soon on their Falcons. A reminder, Carolina edged Atlanta in North Carolina 20-17 to week nine. So it's the Panthers trying to sweep the season series. Falcons could still back in if they lose that game. If the Seahawks lose at home to Arizona, I don't see that happening. So if we're going to be in the prognostication business, We are in agreement. Atlanta loses, Seattle wins, and it's Seattle. And probably going to the playoffs, thanks in large measure to what they did on the road in Dallas on Sunday. They had less than 150 yards of total offense, still won that game because the Cowboys turned it over three times. Squandering the return of Ezekiel Elliott from his six-game suspension, Dallas will not be going to the playoffs. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.